This week on EXM, our coverage of the 2015 edition of the Electronic Entertainment Expo, also known as E3, continues, and so do we, as we wade through a cavalcade of announcements from Ubisoft, Electronic Arts, Sony, Square Enix, Nintendo, and the PC Gamer Show, among others. We also talk about the games we've been playing, make some new gaming recommendations, and perform a classic from the Mario franchise in the Master Game Theater. All that and more coming up in 30 seconds or less on EXM. The podcast that's HP is always high. You're now listening to the exclamation mark. Exclamation mark podcast, the podcast that's HP is always high. I am Crofton Steers, and uh, I am one of two hosts here to delight you with analysis of the second half of this year's E3 2015. Uh, the second half of this podcast is represented by my buddy, Bo Schwartz. Bo, welcome. Hello, Crofton Steers. Hello, exclamation mark podcast listeners. Very excited to be here on an unusual date and time. It's Friday afternoon. Um, but, you know, that's as good a time as any to do a podcast. If I were employed, I'd be really happy about finishing my work week today. But instead, it's just a day like every other day, talking about video games and napping. Well, yes, Uh uh, and trying to find a job, but maybe not trying so hard today. Uh, if you are an employer looking for a, an employee that enjoys napping in video games, well, <laughs> you're in luck. Uh, Bo Schwartz, everybody, available for hire. So, Can I use that in an interview of bringing a quote? Of course. I endorse you full stop. Uh, you're going to endorse my napping on LinkedIn? I should put that up. <laughs> well, you do. Your production values of these shows are always great, Bo, and that's, you know, great Aww. great production work, uh, low work ethic, maybe? I no. don't know. I put these out on time. It's true. Just lazy when it comes to actually finding a job. Maybe I should push myself a little harder. But apart from that, I definitely push myself very hard to play Heroes of the Storm and be amazing at that game. That's um, true. So, also, you know. a, a lot of games journalists push themselves pretty hard this week covering E3. Yes. And that's that's why we're putting out this second episode. Uh, we want to cover the full range of E3 stuff. And uh, uh, E3's just sort of closing up today. Um, and we wanted to take a look at the other press conferences that we didn't cover last time. Games that are interesting to us. All that uh, wonderful news. One thing I've enjoyed, Bo, is watching. Like I've been watching some of these these gaming personalities online and stuff as they do coverage of the press conferences and uh, of E3. And it's funny watching them get increasingly disheveled over like each day. <laughs> like you know, yeah. they're probably going to party or something in the evening, or you know, like it's a giant. You know, there's constantly things to do, so they're losing their minds. 
Yeah, they look like less shaven, and their hairs are hair is all sort of I, screwed up. I was watching the great. They had a game trailers live on Twitch. The game trailers has their own channel, and there was one guy on there who was literally like this, doing, like they wearing a tie. It's a professional set, and he's like, "Final Fantasy VII trailers, pretty good, man." <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, that guy is tired. Yeah, he's he's tired. <laughs> he's got his hands in his head, um, face all red. Yeah. Now we've already, in terms of E3 coverage, for uh, we've already done an episode covering a, a, a sizable amount of the press conferences. We did Bethesda, we did Microsoft, and uh, we talked about Oculus, there? which was Ocu- sort of pre yeah. E3, but still a part of it. Of course, and uh, we, I put up another question mark blog with my top uh, top highlights of E3. Here it's the top ten games. I I did a clickbait list for all of you looking to kill time at work. Boom, a list. Everybody loves lists. You should check that out. Um, and you know, now we're doing the second half. Second yes. half of the. So we're. I think we just jump right into it because you know the show can only last so long, and we're definitely going to be talking a lot about the content on here but the one thing i guess we will say is we're not going to be talking about everything that's true and one thing i we're talking about stuff that interests us that highlight that you know impressions made on us and that sort of thing if your favorite game's left out sorry it's because it sucks no i'm just kidding it's because it's because if for whatever reason bo and i aren't as interested in it as maybe you are yeah. A game I am interested in is Batman Arkham Knight, as uh, long-time wow, what, what listeners... What the hell is that game? Who, was well, that at E3? I don't think so. Yeah, yeah it was. A, it was a, they, I didn't they see had, it anywhere. No, they had trailers. <laughs> uh, and um, anyway, it, it came out this week, and the reviews are hitting it today. Uh, some of them, you know, middling. Some of them pretty good. Um, my Did inter- IGN give it 6.5? No, no. Had too I many games- maps? GameSpot gave it seven, though, which is, uh, oh. uh, you know, like uh, some gas. franchise is a little bit higher pedigree than a seven. Well, it, it depends. I mean, like, you go to the well too many times. And this is my, this has been my concern as well. Like, the Metacritic is like 93 or something on the game. It's, it's, it's reviewing well. Don't get me wrong. It's just that, you know, some people are, are definitely feeling the, the bat fatigue, if you will. Um, and, uh, I am so in love with The Witcher right now, as you well know, that I am actually, and I, God, I can't believe this, I won't be buying Batman day one. I'm actually going to be waiting so I can play The Witcher more uh, before going out to get Batman. I never thought this would happen. Batman was like the only game this year I was really enthused about, and now I'm... Why buy a game when you're already ensorcelled by the one you're playing? That's true, that's true. And let's face it, if Batman was in my house... And I don't mean like if Batman was in my house, it's probably because I'm. <laughs> it's probably it's not pro- a good sign if he's in your house. He's either I'm, beating you up or somebody who's broken that, into your place. That's right. I'm probably a criminal. There's a it's a no-win situation. But if the <laughs> Batman game was in my house, yeah, I I would not be able to not play it. So I can't buy it. I can't have it. I, I just got to enjoy The Witcher for now, which is amazing. This is you giving Witcher your full devoted attention. attention. Be, I knew this was a risk. You know. When I bought The Witcher, I knew this was a risk. I'm glad that it, it was I'm a good risk, that. though. I mean, you know, it's not like you did it on something poopy. True. You did it on a game of high caliber, so good for you. Right on. All right, so Batman's getting middling reviews. Jeez, that's well, no one middling. Re- it, it's just you know attention 
Um, is it but, only GameSpot? Is everyone else giving it nines, or how is it average? Yeah, out? everybody's giving it nines except GameSpot, but that's fine. Like, it's not that uh, that they're wrong or anything like that. They're wrong. Um, but uh, they pulled an IGN basically. Well, IGN normally gives super. They're the ones that are known for overgrading everything, like giving really high scores. Yes, Games. The, the meme games, right now is that they gave Heroes of the Storm six point five, where like everyone else is giving it high marks. It, they're dumb. They're dumb yeah, for doing that. They're not know, dumb they're, generally, but. I don't know. The uh, internet right. agrees unanimously that their review of Heroes of the Storm is 6.5 out of 10. And now we have a new contender for 6.5 out of 10 in the GameSpot review of Batman. All right, all right. Stop trying to overthink your game reviews. If it's fun and awesome, you can give it a good score. <laughs> and all the tinfoil hat people are probably like, well, they probably didn't give enough you know, review money to GameSpot. <laughs> Yeah, that's Not exactly. Primary. As soon as you start complaining about reviews, you're <laughs> in a bad place. It means you can't respect the fact that other people's opinions are different than yours. So you that's see, you, you see these comments on the review sites, and like I was stoked for Batman. Gamespot gives it seven out of ten. Do I flip out? No, I don't flip out. Does it temper my enthusiasm? No, I knew. I knew they brought up comments that you know. Looking at some of the trailers, I was like, "Wow, that Batmobile looks like a tank." That doesn't necessarily look like the way I want to play a Batman game. And they commented on that, and you know, fair enough. Like that's how the game is made. Everybody has a different opinion of what they take away. But sure enough, I go down to the review comments, and people are like, "It's like you've insulted their mother. Your mother sucks." Six point five out of ten. You know, <laughs> it, it's really people are going nuts. So they need to chill the f out. Um, speaking right. of of that chilling the f out, let's calm it down a notch by talking uh, about the news out of E three. Readme.txt. It's time for readme.txt. Um, yeah, so we're going to talk all the E3 crap that happened over the past couple days. Crofton, where do you want to start? Well, there's so many ways we could do this. We could talk about stuff that made the biggest impression. We could just go through the different press conferences. Where do you want to start? Do you have a preference? Let's start with the fractured butthole. Uh, you know, let's talk Ubisoft. Oh, sweet. We're not yeah. going to go chronological. Let's just go on whatever we did with the list here. We so, talked ahead of the show. So Ubisoft had a lot of stuff to announce. Not a lot of stuff for me that I walked away with any interest in. Um, so if you're someone who's excited about some of the games that were announced here that we're not going to talk about, well, sorry. Well, um, I the one thing I'll say, as soon as they started their conference and they, they, they brought back Aisha Taylor or whatever. Aisha Tyler. Whatever. It was and, honestly the best part of the Ubisoft conference. Well, do not I, get it wrong. She's I don't, amazing. I don't know. I just like when she they likes bring video in, games. She loves they bring in liquor. these. All right, easy. When they bring to do these these comps, I sort of am mixed about it. And the first two people she brings out are Matt Stone and Trey Parker. So it's a bunch of celebrities on the stage. And I feel not that they shouldn't be at E3, but like sometimes I get the too cool for school vibe and Isha Tyler or Taylor or whatever is better than most but I still kind of like I don't know uh, there's something there's something there about that whole thing that kind of um, grinds my gears if you will but well, anyway what then it's a presentation and somewhat staged 
Yeah, and then it's not. Yeah, it's, it's not, not like some he, sweaty, sweaty, you know, executive from you know Ubisoft. Like, who's like we've got a great lineup for you this year. Well, but did you see that bearded guy who came out with the cane to do for oh, honor? Yeah, that guy was pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah, why didn't he host it? You know, like I well, mean, like uh, he's just there to talk about for honor. You know, I guess he's not a professional like, presenter, like ah, uh, sure, like Aisha like, Tyler. He did a good job. He did. Um, but anyways, let's let's take it back. We talk. I want to talk South Park. It was the first thing that came up. They dropped f bombs, so they were they positioned themselves as the edgy presenter at E3, um, and couldn't be happier that there is a new South Park on the way. Now, it was Obsidian that did the Stick of Truth. Was that published or distributed through Ubisoft? Or yeah, was, it was Ubi- okay. So through. Ubisoft then, is not new to the South Park thing, and Ubisoft kind of like no, it, it fell apart. The, the the South Park thing. I forget what was the name of the company that... Uh, it was Obsidian, that, wasn't it? No, Obsidian didn't go under. There's a company that went under that... that, uh, that THQ. THQ oh, was, okay. was supposed to be re- representing uh, the distribution of, of, of South Park, the Stick of Truth. It ended up that Ubisoft picked it up when they went under, bought the rights to it and such. And so I am somewhat like they must have sold a lot of copies. I am somewhat surprised that there's a sequel for two reasons. One is uh, because South Park is driven entirely by Matt Stone and Trey Parker. And I'm just surprised that they wanted to do a sequel because they don't do sequels to much. They don't – they put out a movie. They didn't do like the South Park movie. They didn't necessarily do it. Uh, We're a, not up to, to South that. Park 10, the film or something like yeah, that. Yeah. The, they did the, the marionettes for um, Team, America, Team America World Police. Yeah. They didn't they – didn't, they've done a, a musical. They've done the video game. It, it, it t- they tend to do, be one and done before returning to the team. TV show, so it was cool to see a sequel, and to also see that it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not the stick of truth too. Like, I don't even know if it'll have RPG elements in it. Like, it's it's clearly superhero the Avengers and superheroes and like, and that was the yeah. number two thing for me was yeah. the superhero element that makes it interesting to me as well. Uh, and I played a lot of the first one. I never finished it. I, um, other stuff distracted me before I was done, but I did really enjoy the time I had with it. So I'm glad to see a sequel. I speed. think I think it, um, South Park, the South Park Stick of Truth game, is like a lot of those games where they're in their niche, and they really revel in the in the things that make that kind of a game a really good game. So I really, I, even if you didn't play South Park, what you need to know about that South Park Stick of Truth is that like. It wasn't just like, oh, here's an IP and let's, you know, cash in by game doing the gamification of it. It felt really like a unique episode where they were really trying to delight and, you know, make you laugh. So high expectations for the second one on that announcement. Now, speaking of the bearded guy, I don't know if you have anything more to say on South Park, but that... No, but, I, yeah, I was going to say, you couldn't pick a game more unlike South Park in the sense that South Park is a, is a sequel of... Uh, a, a game based on a famous intellectual property in South Park, um, so it's it's a safe bet. It's like in, on the other side of the coin, you have a a new intellectual property based on nothing and the first game in a series in For Honor, and that was the one of the Ubisoft show of everything they showed. Um, that was the one that that got my attention of the most. I would say, yeah. What, how did you feel about it? Um, hang on. What what 
gave you the attention the most? I missed the last For one. Honor. Oh, For Honor was the biggest thing, yes. I think... Why was it the biggest thing for you? Okay, so... I think, first of all, they brought that wacky guy out. <laughs> and I don't think there isn't anyone not watching that wacky guy. It wasn't like, what does this guy have to say? Who is this weirdo? Um, not weirdo, because he was cool, but, you know, unusual. Um, but the biggest thing with For Honors, first of all, the trailer was awesome. So I think when you're watching that trailer, it looked like, oh, we have a new IP here. Which they, they had a new IP, but I think people were... I think the impression of it was just that it was going to be a little more narrative based than the game that it turned out to be. The sec- they, ca- they they called it a new genre, like it was a new type. They made it sound when they announced it, they announced they were creating a new type of game. I'm not sure that's the case, but that's how they're billing it. Yeah, well, I think like a lot of things in, in games, they're standing on the shoulders of what's come before it. I saw it compared to Dynasty Warriors. I mean, it's kind of like a MOBA, you know. It, it does look kind of has, like a MOBA. You have wave of minions, and the champs are fighting one another right. through the wave of minions. Um, what's unique about it, and this is the thing that made me the most excited, is I've wanted a game like this. Like, um, in interviews, that gentleman, I don't remember his name, the, the awesome beard guy with the cane. Jason something. Uh, was, was saying, hey, I was, you know, walking and thinking and imagining a game like this, and finally it came to me, and then we started making it. And, like, I've had that where it's, like, I want a really good melee combat game that isn't just auto attack, use abilities, and close proximity, but where your stance matters, where your sword, you know, can be blocked. That feels really... I mean, imagine actually taking a sword and fighting another guy with a sword. That has got to be such a difficult thing to to do. It's got to be, you know... And so a game that, that can translate that weight... And that difficulty in that sort of visceral experience. See, it, there's a lot of promise from what we've been shown that this might actually accomplish that with a controller scheme, no less. Well, the closest I can think of to a game like that was Bushido Blade on the original PlayStation. I, I played it, that, yeah. Bushido Blade was like a, a, it was a fight, 3D fighting game, and it was in the era of Virtual Fighter and Tekken and stuff like that. But it was with weapons, and the whole idea was that you could instantly die. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, you could uh, th- you could take damage, like you could lose the use of your legs or lose the use of one of your arms and all this, but you could instantly die. And it was almost like, you know, whoever moved first lost. And, and it was really yes, like... Yes, I've played this. It was very nerve wracking. Yeah, it was nerve wracking, but it was really, it was really cool. Uh, definitely for its time. And uh, it's sort of like a concept that hasn't been thoroughly explored. And I would be surprised if the developers of for Honor had not played Bushido Blade or thought of Bushido Blade when developing this game. But anyway, it looks it definitely looks cool and was the highlight of the Ubisoft presser for me because the rest of it was um, a series of games. Uh, and I know there's a lot of people excited for the next Assassin's Creed or Rainbow Six Siege, which is a little bit of a different take. Uh, but aside from Ghost Recon Wildlands, which is a com- looks to me to be a complete reinvention of the Ghost Recon franchise, they're all. It was a lot of like more just dance, more like a lot of samey type Jason Derulo stuff. performance. <laughs> yeah, right. So I mean, it was it was yeah. more more samey stuff. So I wasn't excited. Um, 
maybe Ghost Recon Wildlands, which is going to be an open world, and open world seem to be all over the place these days. Maybe that's going to be a huge revolution in in the way those games are played. The only other one, again, is The Division. I was originally excited for that game a lot when it was first announced, but every subsequent announcement or look at it has made me progressively less excited for it. I... I feel like it could still be awesome, but uh, there's a lot of multiplayer stuff that w- when I was a teen or a young adult, I would be really excited about. But now as an adult that has very little time, I prefer the single player or maybe two player co-op, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all that stuff, like all that stuff looked great. It just didn't appeal to me specifically. So I'm not really, I don't really have much more to say on the Ubisoft front, except that it was a decent it was a decent thing, and I think made a lot better by Aisha Tyler, but that's just me. I, I you like you know, your I got Aisha. a crush on Aisha T- yeah. Tyler, so you know she can announce all of the conferences as far as I'm concerned, even if some of it did seem stagey, you know, and awkward. But so, what's next? EA next is EA. Um, eh. <laughs> so for me, EA had very little. That interested me specifically. Again, a lot of awesome-looking stuff. They had some big celebrities for their sports things. Uh, new Mass Effect. Sign me up. I love the Mass Effect franchise. So. I love. I love it too. Although the trailer, again, it's it didn't didn't say it's much. Just right? Saying it's coming. You know. Yeah. And it, that's enough for me. So it, I'm fine with that. They gave um, the title, the subtitle. They did show it, the a sort of a jetpacky move, which I kind of liked, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, like I, I like I like Ma- Mass Effect as well, but you're you're the story for the show for me uh, that I touched on in my blog as well is that there's a lot of like sequels announcements or or they showed some sequels and I found myself generally drawn to the the new IPs in Mass Effect. There's great trilogy and I loved it. But, you know, it's, it's hard to – for the fourth in a franchise, it's always hard to get me as revved up. Like uh, at the first three, generally, I can get pretty excited. But once we're into four, five, that's where I'm starting to get a bit jaded, you know? Yeah. But the Mass Effect thing is pretty special. I it, You true. know, it's like – because I agree with you 100% on most of what we saw there. But, uh, you know, Mass Effect – has all that talking in it and i remember like people who watch me play mass effect like why are you playing this they're just talking is this even a game and i'm like you don't you don't get it you don't get what makes this all go away <laughs> like <laughs> so yeah mass effect is pretty cool um the other big thing that i'm excited for is mirror's edge um but the only reason i'm excited about this game is it for its potential to be uh, awesome in vr which not a lot of vr stuff talked about at this conference it's e3 conference but i really want to play mirror's edge are you are you kidding that's all anybody talked about was vr no they it was mentioned everywhere but not a lot of like new stuff oh man the focus was on sequels if you if you divvy up the time spent on games the time was spent on like sequels and stuff vr was not i would not the thesis of this uh i would argue that v if this E3 will be remembered for VR above and beyond anything else. Like I uh, that's I yeah, it's just because you're really invested in it. It's it's just all, every one of the major um, you know publishers 
talked about VR. The uh, Microsoft and Sony devoted huge sections both to their proprietary technologies and deals with other groups. Uh, I mean, like this this was big. This was bigger than motion control almost. The VR. So uh, well, I mean, it, it was looming. It looms on everything. Like, yeah, because we're all waiting for that. What is it? The other shoe to drop, or you know, for the final verdict to come down on whether this is going to be a fad or this is going to be ga- future of gaming. So no one wants to really go all in on saying like VR is the future of gaming. Uh, it feels like the, all they the were games going... are for consoles and for screens. And this is the criticism of Mirror's Edge that I'm going to offer. I want Mirror's Edge for VR, but there was a lot of talk about cutscenes. There's nothing worse than cutscenes in the VR experience because, first of all, from emotion, you get like a motion sickness because you're used to the world moving around you. All of a sudden, your screen doesn't move. That's very jarring and uncomfortable in a VR headset. Um, so they're designing the game that way, which is, a, to me, a sign that the game is not VR friendly, which is extremely disappointing because it looks like it's going to be awesome with the little flips you can do and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So I'm Have st- you played Mirror's Edge? I've played the original. I enjoyed it quite a bit. And I'm excited for the sequel because of the poten- the only reason to play is because VR. If VR gets canceled tomorrow and there's no VR, I'm not playing the Mirror's Edge sequel. See, for me, I'm playing it either way. I'm excited in the concept of the game. I enjoyed the first one. And the fact that this one is going to be open world and that you're not restricted to levels oh, and you no, can move. Open world? You I can, missed that. You can, run, you can run around and like jump off, you know, like the whole city will be open for your exploration. Like I find that way more interesting than the previous one, which was level by level. Uh, there's still going to be potential for speed runs and that sort of thing. But yeah, I was excited about it. It looks good. I'll be playing that either way. And that's a sequel, but it's sequel that nobody thought was going to happen. And it was also a sequel. Um, it's the first sequel of a series. So my, I'm not jaded on it yet. You know, I'm not OD'd on it, if no. you will. Two strikes against it for me, though. If it's open world, that's another strike. <laughs> the cutscenes and the open worldness are a strike. I'm playing it strictly for VR, but um, still cool to be excited. It's it's the more interesting of all the things that they announced because it, it, there is no sequel fatigue. In fact, I think we'd be skeptical even, you know, if they said, sorry, no more Mirror's Edge, none of us would be surprised. It's not exactly their, you know, they're not their most well-known IP or anything like that, you know? Um. Yeah, they, EA didn't have, like, they announced a couple of things, but mostly it was things that we already knew about. We got a good look at Star Wars Battlefront, which still looks super sweet. It's yeah. like living out your Star Wars fantasies. Um, it really does. Like, I see the sound in the ships, and I'm like, oh, man, it's like I'm in a Star Wars movie. Um, I remember when I was a kid, like, I had X-Wing on MS-DOS, and there's, like, an opening cutscene of X-Wings, um, sort of flying, but the the, the cutscene is kind of like done with you know pixel, kind of pixel graphics. It was still yeah. much better than what was available on console at the time. But I remember getting my uncle who was into Star Wars. I was like, "Come in, check out this. These graphics are amazing." And th- then I made him watch it, and he, I knew he was into Star Wars, and like of course he wasn't into video games because he was an old man. Um, and he looked at it and was like, "Oh yeah, it looks good." But like I could see he was not enthused, and I was like, "Why is he not enthused? It's like the movie on your screen." But uh, it was not a, at all like that, obviously. But this Star Wars Battlefront, it is like the movie on your screen. It's hard not to look at what they've done with that game and and not be excited if you if you like Star Wars in the least bit because 
it's as close as they've gotten to recreating the movie in a game form, I would think. I, the one thing I will say is is that I'm concerned it's going to be a little bit like uh, you get – it releases with like two levels and battles and then you got to buy each battle separately. Like it feels like – they might be rushing it out the door to meet the movie. I'm a little concerned about that. But aside from that, it looks awesome. It really does. And that's it for me on EA. Yeah, me too. Uh, there was, again... Uh, they had tons of stuff. Nothing I'm into. A lot, of, a lot of sports stuff with EA. And they, you can't blame them. They make tons of money uh, t- tons of money on it. But really, like uh, aside from a few added features in each game, it's, there's, it's never going to make a huge wave at E3. Like They brought out Pele. Good for them. Um, you know, uh, I'm sure the soccer fans loved it, but it was not uh, not for me. Um, Sony uh, had a big uh, had a big conference, like like Microsoft. I think the idea that people once the dust settled, everybody was really excited at the time for some of their announcements. But I think there there wasn't a tremendous amount of new content um, at the Sony conference. I think that it's going to be remembered partially for um, cashing in a little bit on nostalgia, uh, in in particular with the long-awaited Final Fantasy VII remake announcement. Bo, what's your take on that? You played Final Fantasy VII, right? Um, I played it twice, and Final Fantasy VII was the game that, when I didn't have a PlayStation, my friends owned, and I looked forward to going to visit friends' house to play and try the game or watch it be played. A lot of fond memories with a lot of the Final Fantasies, but Seven in particular um, just has that right mix of adult style content with kiddie style. Like it had just everything, and I think a lot of people feel very have a very strong attachment to the characters. In particular, you know, characters in that game die. Um, you know, there's a lot of really moving narrative sequences in Final Fantasy 7 that I haven't felt and I've played I just finished Final Fantasy 13 I've played a lot of the Final Fantasies to me it's the most moving one I'm super excited for remake it's a reason to buy a PlayStation 4 because they said it it, it'll be first on PlayStation 4 but it's Square Enix that means it could appear 10 years later on PC like that is not comforting or reassuring at all um so it is a reason to pick up a PS4 finally for me. See, um, I, you know, but that I'm game's like, not coming out for another like billion years. So that's true. They they've it announced it really Fantasy. early. It could be PS5 by the time it comes out. Very possible. Like it yeah. could take forever. The other thing is, uh, I'm not. Uh, uh, you know, I think I also have fond memories of Final Fantasy VII. I played it in college. We were a bunch of us living in the same house. All of us were playing it at once. We'd be exchanging notes of like, "Did you find Knights of the Round?" Uh, you know, like we would, we would. Uh, it was really like it. It really captured a moment in time where I was sort of growing up and all this. But as an adult, in in a what I call post Last of Us age, like the la- you play a game like The Last of Us that is so mature, both in its story content and how it tells it, and then you go back to these JRPGs, and I, I wrote about them in the question mark a, a few weeks back, and uh, and it just feels like they're not going to be able to capture that anymore. Like I feel like the you'll play the Final Fantasy VII remake, and you might you'll probably enjoy it. But I think it'll feel like you'll 
it'll feel not as satisfying as as the original did and uh i know that already and so i can only get so excited for it right um yeah it, that, I, that cynicism it, is not is not unjust unjustified you know like because definitely i think that there's a lot there's a lot more production assets that need to be created to make a game of like super high quality now so it does come at the cost like final fantasy 7 is a long game there's tons to do lots of villages and i just i haven't gotten that sense from a from a final fantasy since 10 10 felt you know small in comparison and since then they have and so why would final fantasy 7 be that gigantic epic story that takes you know one of the biggest things about final fantasy 7 is like you spend all this time in midgard that you think the entire game's going to take place in midgard and then boom there's a whole world you know there's like a second half of the whole thing like that that large s and that like giant scope of the game um you're right it might not be there in a in a more modern rpg with all the assets and cgi stuff or it'll just you'll see it'll feel smaller than you remember because you've played bigger experiences since um and uh but anyway the the other the other uh cashing in on um on nostalgia was shemu 3 <laughs> and uh i played shemu 1 you've on played three. It? yeah yeah is it okay good because i don't i'm like i don't get it so i played shemu 1 on dreamcast and um when it when it came out it was sort of like a mo- again a moment in time it had the craziest graphics you can ask my wife she still remembers how much i was freaking out for the graphics at the time because this was coming off like a nintendo 64 era on consoles so like me everybody was still playing original playstation and nintendo 64 and shemu hit the dreamcast with mind-blowing graphics and a production budget at the time that was out of this world um, and, uh, it felt like, like, it felt like a real world that you were exploring. And even though it was, there wasn't much that happened in the game, it was envisioned to be the first part of a 16 part story. Um, and six, it was the first yeah. part in a 16 part story. Yes. And when, when it came out and didn't <laughs> sell as well as they thought, Shimmy's ambition for me. Yeah, Exactly. Shimu 2, when it came out, it took sandwich, like I think it was supposed to be three or four parts of the story into one game because the first game is only part one of the story. And then the second game is like, you know, three or four parts together. So the second game is much more eventful than the first game where very little happened. Uh, but it was just like, it was like you could go into every house, you could talk to every character. It, it hit a nerve with a lot of people. Uh, it touched a nerve, rather, and uh, I, you know, I, I could see why people are excited um, because the story was a cliffhanger and all this. But really, like I've gone back and I've watched clips of Shimu, and uh, I'm like, oh god, this it is doesn't not age too well. Because I looked no. at the pictures and I was like, I'm not. Yeah, <laughs> I this don't is. Think, I don't think I want to know too much. Like. Some it stuff takes, you want to go back and find out what the buzz was about. Shemu, I'm like, ah. No, it, it's nah. t- time is not being kind. I don't think to it. So anyway, um, but Sony cashed in both on that and Final Fantasy VII, and to a lesser extent, The Last Guardian was like that too. Because Last Guardian is really 
being MIA for a long time, but it is the sequel to Shadow of the Colossus and Ico in Spirit. And uh, those games came out on the PlayStation 2, which is over a console generation ago. So they're they're cashing in on people being excited for this game just based on these previous games from, you know, two generations ago. Um, That's what builds your franchise loyalty, though. They have the, those sweet exclusives. Yeah. I just think it's going to be another, like, uh, call me a cynic, but I really think that people will play it and be like, oh, yeah, it was pretty good, but, like, I mean... It, they were better. The PS2 games were better, and um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if it'll be enough to get me off of PC gaming. But they all looked really great. I can't. Like you know, if I didn't have games to play on the PC, I would be looking at PlayStation Four still over an Xbox. Based on those games, they look amazing. A lot of them are in the future, though. Like this year, there's not much that's exclusive for PS4. Okay. Um, all of these are coming out. It always said 2016, 2016, every time. Like Uncharted 4 was supposed to be their big release at the end of this year, and it's been bumped to early 2016 as well, right? Incidentally, looks awesome. I, you know, didn't watch the whole thing, um, but I saw the beginning parts. They had like a problem, technical problem with it, and I think I got distracted. Uh, but it does look amazing. There's also an Uncharted collection, right? Yeah, no. So that's just, this is good for me because I've never played Uncharted, but you always say how great Uncharted series is. So if I were to buy a PlayStation Four today, I would get the collection. I would wait for the collection and then play Four. Yeah, the fact that you don't have a PS3 that would be the main reason too. But these collections are kind of like I, you know, Uncharted One, Two, and Three were are. And especially three is still a technical masterpiece. Uh, I think it runs in 1080p already. I'm not 100. Well, maybe not, but it's in three. You can even play it in 3D. Uh, like it was, uh, they're pretty impressive games. So to do remasters of them, uh, you know, I'm glad it, it allows. There's a lot of people who have migrated from Xbox 360 over to PS4, um, and and this will allow them access to that series. So that's uh, that's great. But for me, who owns all three of the originals, I, um, I'm not. Uh, you don't need. No, they're for people like me, not for people yeah. like you. But um, oh, but <laughs> honestly, uh, my one my one concern with Uncharted is again, it's the fourth one, right? So um, they're saying saying it might be the last one, and I kind of hope that it is because really, like at the end of the third one, there was a review. I think somebody g- gave it a bad review or a poor review, saying that like you know, it's just too. Too much stuff happening to the same guy, and it's too crazy, <laughs> and it's too like, and and it's I think fiction. It's a damn game, people. <laughs> no, I know, I know, but it's. I think it works in that it's they're believable characters, and you get behind them, okay. and you feel like, oh, you know, uh, one of the reasons I like Uncharted much more than the Tomb Raider game, um, the Tomb Raider reboot, is the Tomb Raider characters. Everything in the Tomb Raider felt uh, unath- not not authentic to me. I don't know. How, like the voice acting, the the characterization, everything felt a little false uh, compared to Uncharted, which is literally pitch perfect. All the characters you're invested in. So you believe in them as human beings. So to have this human being go through all the shit that he's gone through, at one point it becomes like, all right. So I'm still, don't get me wrong, I'm still really excited for Uncharted 4. And it is probably the reason I have a PS4 uh, was to play Uncharted 4. So uh, I'm looking forward to it a lot. All right, well, uh, you know, I definitely got to go over to your house and watch you play it because it looked pretty cool. It looked, looked I'm, yeah, I'm you know, if I'm, you like 
if you like um, set pieces, this is the set I piece do. game for you. I do. It's my favorite part about Dead Space. Um, but speaking of giant set pieces, uh, or just the wow factor, Horizon Zero Hour, one of the best things I've seen this entire E3. And I think, and I'm not sure if this was promises a gameplay aspect or not, but it felt like it had an element taken from the game Bastion, where as she was, as the character in Horizon Zero Hour was out doing, you know, stuff, hiding in bushes and hunting robot animals, she was talking. At one point, she puts down a creature that didn't look like it was going to attack her, and she goes, shh, I'm sorry, and kills it. And I was like, wow, this is... This is amazing. Like, I, I just, I love that attention to detail. And the graphic fidelity looked cool. And the setting looked fairly unique and awesome as well. How did, did you see Horizon Zero Hour? Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely did. And I, again, like, it's on my list in the on the question mark of, of top 10 uh, uh, best games of this year's E3. I like, first of all, that I didn't know about it before going in. It was an announcement. That was cool. Yeah. Uh, I, I liked I liked that it's sci-fi, and it was a big year for sci-fi at, uh, at E3 in general. And uh, I, I like they they throw around the buzzword post post apocalyptic, the idea being that it's it's uh, there was an apocalypse and now the world is sort of coming back and this is the new status quo, um, and uh, I, I like that I like that concept the the animals as robots and all that everything seems pretty cool and Guerrilla Games the company making it is known for a lot of polish in their games. They they made the Killzone franchise, which I had literally zero interest in. And so I'm glad to see them moving into something like a little more creative. Uh, and uh, my, only ca- my only beef with that game is the title, which I think is everything wrong with video games, like Hor- Horizon Zero Hour. It sounds like it's a JRPG or something. <laughs> Like uh, it's not the it, best title in the world, I will say. If they had just called it Horizon, yeah. that would have been that would have been fine. But they had to do a colon. <laughs> it's because they're they're assuming there's going to be sequels. They're assuming all this, and all, anyway, it's yeah. just like or, I agree or, with you. Horizon Zero, they could that's fine. But Horizon Zero Hour, come on, give me a break. But uh, but the game the game looks awesome and uh, I'll 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 be signing up uh, for that one for sure. I also thought the dreams look really good. It's a game by Media Molecule, um, uh, the Little Big Planet guys, and it, it's one of those games that even though I probably won't play it, it's one of those ones that I am glad exists. the The concept is that you can make dreams. Essentially, you're it. It they, they've tried to harness the pal- palette of of dreams, and it, it visually it looks very impressive. It looks it's supposed to be easy enough to use, but I am not big on the the creation aspect in games. I prefer to escape into games. So, so um, games like Minecraft and all that don't generally appeal to me, but. To people that those types of games do appeal, this one looks amazing, and I feel like it may be one of those games that people are playing all through the lifespan of the PS4 and maybe beyond. So I'm excited for that one, yeah, or the concept I, of it. I, I think I, I think I missed that one. It, the concept of it sounds interesting to me. You think what? The concept of it sounds interesting to me, but I missed what the visual presentation of it looks like. I don't know what I was doing, but I watched the Sony thing, but I, I missed that, and it just occurred to me that I haven't seen. Um, 
yeah, there's Sony. Sony's presentation was was fun. I enjoyed it the whole time. But at uh, at the end, aside from a couple of uh, Horizon for sure, I like the Uncharted thing. And I would say, and this is a game also coming to PC, No Man's Sky. That was another highlight of me for me. Um, but I, I'm tentative. I'm tentatively excited for that one. It's one of those things that's literally promising the moon and the stars, and I'm, I'm curious. It's uh, it's basically a light version, a light and cuddly, but no less complex version of Elite Dangerous. So Elite, what it what it what it does have that Elite Dangerous doesn't have is the planetary exploration and the procedurally generated stuff. But it seems like your primary activity is going to be the same, which is exploring star systems, uploading data, and doing that over and over again, getting in some space combat. So yeah. if you're already kind of not super appealing, appeal if you don't find the idea of what Elite Dangerous has to offer appealing, you might, even though it's cuter and way more visually, the visual fidelity on No Man's Sky is way higher... I don't know if it's still going to appeal to a lot of people because it still can, has that space. Can thing. you land on any planet in Elite Dangerous and no, walk you, around? No, 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 not at all. Okay, there's no planetary anything in that game. So, so what I think is cool about No Man's Sky is procedurally generated. So they have an unlimited, essentially an unlimited scope where you can find different things on different planets and all that sort of thing. It's really cool. They they showed some space combat this time. It, it just the art direction is awesome. Uh, everything about it looks super sweet. What I am concerned a little bit about is lack of direction, meaning I don't think there's going to be a story. Nobody has said anything about there being a story. I think it's like go out, explore. It's a sandbox, this. I'm pretty sure. Yes, I think so too. And I think that you can go and identify creatures and discover things and name worlds and like uh, you can get resources and trade them and – I, I just I just hope that there's enough of a hook there that I don't play it for two evenings and I'm like, okay, I see the worlds are like procedurally generated so they're all kind of variants of the same thing or they're all – like I hope that there's there's a hook there for me. It seems really awesome but I'm, I'm concerned it's going to be a, like a two-day thing and then I'll be done with it, you know? So I, I think, hope it – I think not. that might be the case for a lot of people. Having it, – because it feels – they showed the galaxy map which – seems to function similarly to the one in Elite Dangerous. Yes. Um, basically, aside from the progression of upgrading like your ships and equipment, the goal was... Um, the goal he stated on one of the shows was to get to the center of the galaxy, which seems kind of... Okay, so there is... Yeah, he's right. He did say that. So there is a goal that you're trying to do. Yeah. Well, well that might, that might yeah. be enough. If there's a goal, like I might be more... Like that's what I need to a certain extent extent like to sort of frame what i'm doing like i'm playing the witcher right now and it has a ridiculous amount of side content just really meaty side content but there is still that overarching drive to 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 finish like to head towards the end of the story and i think if that was not there then i would it, it wouldn't hold my interest as much as it does right so i i need that sort of center piece and maybe it's that journey to the center of the galaxy that'll do it yeah but it does look cool so looking forward yeah. to just playing it like a lot of these things i think at this point i don't want to watch any more trailers or any more teases for that one yeah i feel yeah. like i've seen i've seen what there is to see unless there's like a story campaign or something with which i don't doubt yeah. uh then i don't i don't yeah. really need to no, see anything else yeah. we don't need to see it till you're ready to publish it guys all right 
Um, anything more for Sony? I guess there was... Uh... They talked about Morpheus in, in their own VR, proprietary VR. I've, I read some impressions from people who've tried it. And, like, good on Sony for getting on the VR and all this. But it, it does sound like, comparatively to Oculus and such, that it's not as robust or whatever. So... Uh, if anything, it'll just allow for I think um, more games to be to be VR friendly. So you could release maybe a version of a game on PS4 and on Xbox One and on computer, and everybody could have VR now. Like you know that it, there's VR options all around, so that'll be cool. Uh, it'll it'll allow publishers not to lose money. Like they know they're not just releasing their VR game to a small subset. Of the population. Yeah. I kind of checked out mentally during the Morpheus presentation. I think they showed some Eve Valkyrie. But the thing about demo demoing VR games is different than actual games because seeing something on a screen means nothing. The yeah. experience of VR is in the VR. So the, it's going to be very heavily reliant on demos. Like we're going to we're going to be back in the age of demos. Uh, we already are with VR. Like you don't get a sense of what something's like until you try it in a VR headset. So I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to build hype at a conference at E3 unless you're physically there trying things on the headset. So and and uh, with the digital download culture we're in now, less and less people are going to places like Best Buy. I think there's going to be either Morpheus stand set up at Best Buy or something like that. There's going to be some way to try it, but they know that problem. Bo, they recognize that problem, and it's going to be it's going to be tough for them to uh, to market it. They're going to have to put their thinking caps on. All right, so uh, you ready to move on to the next bit? Or yeah, we got a time limit. We're already running along. We got to speed things up. Speed it up, <laughs> speed it up. Okay, right. Square Enix. Square Enix. Uh, so we covered some of their stuff already in different sections, like Final Fantasy VII. Right. Uh, the one one thing that jumped out at me big time as a new announcement was Kingdom Hearts. I guess three. Uh, I think it's three. Right. I'm not sure if there's some sort of different subtitle. Um, looks yeah, super, no, it's three. As someone who's who knows that the Kingdom Hearts franchise is beloved, but who's never played any of the Kingdom Hearts games, um, you know, it looked colorful and amazing, and it seemed well-received by the crowd during what was a pretty abysmal and awkward presentation. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I definitely enjoyed, uh, I definitely enjoyed watching that particular bit as well as the Final Fantasy VII thing. Uh, Crofton, have you played Kingdom Hearts? And do you I, get excited about this? I played the first Kingdom Hearts. I actually never played the second. And I played the um, Chain of Memories game on Game Boy Advance. And this was like, I played that game literally 10 years ago because I remember I was on a trip at the time and I had a Game Boy Advance and I was, I was playing this uh, this Kingdom Hearts game. Kingdom Hearts is like again now it's it it has been like ten years since the last game so it's one of those things where there's pent up demand people really want the next uh, the next one it the the idea of Kingdom Hearts is, is mixed between Disney and Final Fantasy and when the first Di uh, Kingdom Hearts came out both of those brands were at oh, kind of an apex like you had um, you had like classic Disney movies. Uh, you know, Pixar was just hit, hitting the ground uh, running, and they Disney had a, a huge collection of films. And then you had Final Fantasy at its 
on top of its game. Like I think Final Fantasy X had just come out. It was super well-received. Probably the last really well-received Final Fantasy on consoles. And, uh, and yeah, so everyone was excited. It was like perfect timing. And it was really accessible. You saw all the Disney characters with Final Fantasy characters. But then over time, they've gotten caught. They have all sorts of spinoffs. And they've gotten caught up in their lore and such. And I would say that, like, I don't know how accessible Kingdom Hearts 3 will be. But this can complicated. So I, I don't know. Like, they've remixed one or two uh, for the PlayStation 4, I think. And and you'd probably be best off playing those if you had any interest in Kingdom Hearts. I'm not sure if 3 is going to be very welcoming to new players. Hmm. Okay, well, that's that's good. Maybe I'm not missing out on anything. But it looks pretty it, colorful and fantastical. So. It's, it, it is. Like, I mean, there's uh, if you like Disney and you like Final Fantasy, it's pretty cool fan service. Like, my brother and his wife are huge Disney-aholics. And it's rare you see, and he grew up with Final Fantasy in, in, as well. It's where it's rare you see a heart like hardcore, like a, a, a in, intensely made Disney game. Normally, Disney games are kind of for kids. In this, and this is one in which your characters level up, and you got powers and all that. So, I mean, it it is it is what it is. I I find it cool that it still exists, but uh, it may be too complicated now for its own good. All right. Um, also shown, uh, and again, there's a lot of stuff there. Just a brief mention of World of Final Fantasy as a PS Vita game looks really. <laughs> the crowd was like silent with. But did you fuck? hear their? <laughs> but did, he, did you hear their pitch about it though? Like in what the guy said about it. Um, uh, I'm forgetting. I was watching it, was... it but I for, I was just my brain was so full of. This looks like junk to me. Maybe it was at Sony, but yeah. see, like what exactly what I just said about Kingdom Hearts is what they're dealing with on Final Fantasy side, where they they're at Final Fantasy fifteen, and for guys like you and I who grew up with Final Fantasies, that's great. But for new kids and new people that want to get into the world of Final Fantasy. It, it, it's intimidating. It's got a huge number in it. It's being made more and more for an older audience. Um, so they want to they want to provide a gateway, and they've always done this. I remember Final Fantasy Mystic Quest for the Super Nintendo was similar in this regard. Just like kind of make it easier, streamline it, make yeah, it's it's kid friendly. Maybe E three isn't the place to send to, to show this, but it will allow people to get into Final Fantasy or the concepts, the summons, the all that sort of stuff, the creative energy of Final Fantasy without like signing up for a hardcore older audience. Final Fantasy. So I, I do like that. I'm not going to play it, don't get me wrong, but it's it, I'm glad that it's out there. Like Dreams, I'm glad that it's out there. I, it's just right. not my thing. Well, are you glad that there's a new Hitman out there? I couldn't give a shit. You know, I think that might be the Hitman that I try because the, the concept of Hitman really appeals to me. I just haven't had a good... I haven't felt any of the games are a good entrance point into the Hitman franchise. And maybe this is the one. However, um, you pointed out before the show that Hitman was like everywhere, like at every conference, mentioned all over the place. And maybe that's they're trying a little too hard because <laughs> it's not no. that good. I don't well, know. it's supposed to be a platform. So what they're going to do is they're going to release hits that you can download. Because Hit, Hitman, essentially, I've played a bunch of them. 
they're, they're, they're essentially like there is a story, but really what it is is that you're, you're doing these hits in random levels and there's multiple – the best Hitman games like Blood Money, there's multiple ways that you can approach your target and handle it and the, that sort of thing. Um, and uh, – but this each level isn't necessarily interconnected to the one afterwards. Maybe there's some story – between it, but really they just designed these sandbox levels for you to go in and and pretty much take out a target, either flashy it's, it's, or quiet. It it could like it could be any self-employed contractor. Like it happens to be a hitman in this case, but you could be a graphic designer. Like it'd be very boring to make a game about a graphic designer's various challenges yeah. fulfilling contracts. It's just it's kind of appealing from a gameplay standpoint when you talk about Hitman. But there's no story, right? That's what you're saying. There's no narrative connecting all the contracts. It's just Hey, we got a job for you. Do this job. Yeah, right? yeah. Agent 47, you're activated to kill this guy. Okay, I'm going to go kill him. Give me my money and then I'll use it to upgrade guns in between missions and then I'll go kill someone else. So now, it's a career simulator. In, in yeah, a <laughs> it is. It, it says so in the name. It's Hitman. It's like you play a Hitman. They, they're not lying. <laughs> uh, but but this new version and the reason I think they're pushing it so hard is – is I think they've realized why keep putting out Hitman games when you could put out one Hitman game, like a platform, yeah. and, and then release DLC, into right? DLC. This is it's made for it, really. You just have to release a hit every so often, try and make it often enough, and uh, make, make it make there be a zillion ways to approach it. And do they I mention mean, then because I didn't quite get that from the presentations that I saw. Um, but it makes sense now that you say it. Did they mention any user-generated content? Like, a, you know, Hitman? I think, yes, custom hits. Yeah, I think uh, they did mention that, yeah. Because so, if, if they're going to do it that way, another way to keep the community invested is in free content generated by the rest of the community. That's true, for sure. Uh, if they're not doing it, it'd be a good idea if they did do I it. think they are. And if they even had a monetize... There's been a lot of talk about this. Even Blizzard's talked about the StarCraft. Still haven't seen it making a store for user-generated content. That meets an approvals process, so the quality's there, but this is certainly a... You know, someone makes an awesome hit, yeah. let that guy earn money, and people pay him a buck for his great uh, his great little uh, puzzle. Anyway, all right. Yeah, it sounds a good idea. Um, last but not least, and this wasn't new, but there was new footage. Uh, these guys were all over the place on a lot of the Twitch channels. Uh, Ados... We're in the house to talk some Deus Ex Mankind Divided. Bo couldn't be happier. Some of the best, most exciting stuff for me anyways at E3 was, uh, you know, just seeing how the game played out. Nothing much to talk about. It all looks very promising. and It just looks, again, I feel like I'm being cynical here, but I it's on my top 10. It's high on my top 10 of games of E3. Um, it's just they showed a sizzle reel that I saw. Uh, and uh, I would like to see some. They had 25 minutes of in-game footage. Uh, oh, it oh was, really? It wasn't I during didn't... the. It wasn't during the conference, but um, I think it was yesterday. Like how on, did that? On one of the Twitch streams. I was great. So it was split into two parts, I think. And one was at a train station. The other one was in that new city where all yeah. the the ghetto where all the Ogs are, you know, segregated, and. Um, it looks great. It looks does like it a look Deus any, Ex game. Does it look any bigger in scope? Is it still sort of like the the same size areas from Human Revolution? Or are we talking bigger now? Well, the train station was kind of linear because it, it was sort of narrative yeah. happening. You were talking yeah. to a person. So hard to tell. It was a cool area. 
And then the second half was gameplay, so shooting and stealthing and all that kind of stuff. And it seemed fairly long, so and, and it had multiple ways to get around and manipulate the environment. So it definitely cool. it definitely looks true to the Deus Ex franchise. It it's hard to get a sense of scope in terms of I know the big thing was like yes you could hang around Detroit in the first one, but there was like I don't know three areas and they were all geographically so close that it doesn't yeah. make sense you know it's just like how could all these important things be within a five block radius <laughs> like, yeah, but that's and that blowing. was how the original deus ex was too i'm just wondering if they're going to expand the scope at all or if they're just going to you know enhance the graphics i think um, that the, the what they talked about was um they wanted to do more in terms of the like the they have the four fundamentals which is like combat stealth conversation and, and something else. I can't remember what the other one was. So they're enhancing all of it, specifically the combat. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's going to be bigger in scope. They were promising that choices you make actively affect the story. So it's not like in the first one where it's more towards the end where they give you some narrative differences. In this one, it sounds like choices you make will impact later acts within the story. But hard to say what exactly that's going to look like. But certainly in the first Deus Ex, I found that whatever you did didn't change the game that much. Like, if someone died, then he was just dead, but the story beats still happen the same way. So if they're promising more flexibility, that's exciting, but I'm cynic on, cynical on that. But yeah, no, I'm excited. Amazing, so. I'm excited for it, too. Right. Now, Nintendo continuing the trend of... Um, what is it? Marching to the beat of their own drum... Uh, they they did their Nintendo uh, Direct where they turned all their executives into little puppets, uh, which was kind of cutesy, adorable. Um, okay. But <laughs> it was – when compared to the other pressers, the, the Nintendo one is so nice. Like it, because as, as somebody who's not at E3, um, it's not filming a giant auditorium. It's a direct video that sort of customized and it was fun seeing the enthusiasm of the game developers and all that. That being said, there wasn't much uh, to announce and they didn't show too, too much. Uh, that got me tremendously excited. Their big Wii U game for this year is clearly Star Fox Zero. Um, Bo, did you play Star Fox on the Super Nintendo or anything? Uh, I did actually, and you or, know, it was a long 60. time ago. Super, like Super Star Fox sixty four. No, no, it was just called that. Well, there was a Star I Fox played, on they Nintendo sixty four. Super 64. Nintendo one, super, yeah, yeah, and the sixty four one. I played them both. Yeah, but they're they're generally like what an hour game. Like I could finish Star Fox one pretty. Yeah, quick. they're not. Like, I mean, they didn't it, last long. I mean, they're pretty short, and so like I. I'm not, you know, to to be like, oh, I'm sure Star Fox Zero will be beefier, but like I was watching it and I'm like, yeah, there's nothing really here that is, I'm going to play No Man's Sky, I'm going to play Star Citizen, I, Star Fox, I'm sorry, you know, I'm I, my interest level is not Those super games high. always felt novel because they were reaching, they were 3D games on a console, yeah. so that was unique, and 3D, you know, hadn't really... It was a pretty unique experience, even for 3D games from a PC perspective. Like, I, that's why they were appealing. Now, 3D is everywhere. So, what are they going to do to make Star Fox, aside Different. from a bit of a nostalgia, like do oh, a, we'll barrel. Do a barrel roll? Like, what? How is the game going to be fun when you got games like uh, Star Citizen and Eve Valkyrie and or Elite even, Dangerous? Even the how ones is your like, shooter going to be awesome? 
even like Star Wars Battlefront, games that are on a planet, like there was sizzle reel of guys flying like X-Wings through, you know, um, canyons and such. And I was like, when I played Star Fox, that's what I was imagining I was doing. I'm like, oh man, I'm flying above a planet. Like, you know, it's like in Star Wars. But now I can actually play Star Wars with sick graphics, so it's it's um, it's a harder sell for sure uh, for me. Well, Star Fox has always been our, like an arcade style game, so to me, I still want that. <coughs> excuse me, from Star Fox, like yeah. I wouldn't want a serious shooter like Star Citizen or or the I dangerous. Guess right. You know, I'd want like uh, lots of glowy lights and lasers and shoot this and shoot that. I wouldn't even mind if it was still on rails. That'd be okay. So the other the other announcements uh, from Nintendo uh, were uh, they made a, a bunch of 3DS announcements. Uh, they're going to do Hyrule Warriors, uh, bring it over to 3DS. They're going to do um, a new Zelda game called Triforce Heroes, uh, and a new Metroid game called Metroid Free- Freedom Force. I put Zelda and Metroid in quotation marks because. Um, Neither of them are traditional games of those franchises. They're both kind of multiplayer focus games. Um, and and uh, Zelda Triforce Heroes looks pretty cool. Like, it, again, if I was in the right demographic, which is like a bunch of people I know have 3DSs with Triforce Heroes, it would be a lot of fun. You solve puzzles like in dungeons as a group and that sort of thing. So like if I light a bomb, I might have to pass it to another guy who passes it and throws it to where stuff needs to blow up, you know? Yeah. Like there's there's cool concepts, but again, it, it's just not going to really appeal to me as a solo player that much. Metroid Freedom Force seemed to be a little bit of kind of like a, a team sport thing almost like where they were anyway it definitely again was multiplayer focus not my cup of tea the only thing that really stood out was a game i knew about before which is super mario maker which allows you to make mario brothers games your own levels for mario brothers games including um the original, you can choose art styles and, and different stuff. So you can make them like 8-bit Mario. Uh, you can make it Super Mario Brothers 3. You could make it um, the new Super Mario Brothers with the really quite nice graphics. Uh, like there's a – you can make it in, in, in lots of different ways. You, I think you can even mix and match those styles if you want. But anyway, it's like – so it's a creative toolkit. But I love Mario. I, I, that's always going to hold a, a big space in my heart, uh, the, the 8-bit, the 2D uh, Mario. So I really think that this is a cool thing uh, because they have that tablet on Wii U. So you can easily like make these levels. looks really intuitive. I'm not normally into creative stuff like that, and it, it appeals to me. So Yeah, I – you know, my initial reaction was – Hey, why is why is this just coming out now? <laughs> like Super Mario Bros has been around forever. I feel like a game like this could have been released at some point in the future with so so many modding tools available. And this is as a PC gamer, so maybe I take these things for granted. It feels like yeah, too little, too late. But you made a point about Kingdom Hearts earlier, or about sorry, the Final Fantasy franchise, and that you know young people need an entry point into these kinds of things. There's still an audience for 2D side-scrolling Mario games, and there is still uh, you know an audience for young people who want to be creative uh, playing 
making their own levels in Mario Brothers. So I'll I think tell it's you fine, right now, but you know, take take our friend like Mike Hodgins, okay, yeah. who's a casual video game player. If you asked Mike Hodgins, would he want to play this game or or play with it? He would be all over it in two seconds, and it, it, because it taps into sort of the nostalgia uh, that he has with those types, you know, with the Mario games, it's really easy. Everybody can play Mario. And it provides a really amazing input device oh. in the stylus in the Wii U, right? So, yeah. so those are... Uh, There's a building on fire in my neighborhood. Or really? I don't know See, what it is. <laughs> maybe somebody used a fire flower. Oh, Mario joke. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that, that's, that's about it from Nintendo. I think it was a bit... Everybody kind of agreed it was a little... You know, it's Mario's 30th anniversary and everybody was like, Yay, Mario! amazing but aside from mario maker we got nothing um so uh so yeah it was a little bit disappointing on that front yeah uh meh. good for nintendo people but uh didn't i nothing came out in the news that jumped out at me as exciting is there anything that uh anything else from the nintendo presentation no that's it all right let's move on to the pc gamer show uh, which, I like how you pronounce that differently. Like you're like, oh, this is the main event to bow. <laughs> or getting excited. Well, I'd want to say it was the main event, but uh, you know, it was kind of crappy. <laughs> and I think that a lot of people felt the same way about it. So, but it's good that they do it, man. I like that they do it. I, it's too bad that the first year was a hundred hours long, but in the future, it'll. I, they're going to learn, and it's going to get better and better. I think. Well, yeah, so that's the one thing. That's why we give feedback because, hey, we didn't enjoy <laughs> what you had to present. So, you know, next next year do better. We definitely still, I think, PC gamers want their own little 15 minutes as part of the E3 conference. And certainly Day9, the guy presenting, is a pretty cool guy in the gaming community and on Twitch. And so people really yeah, enjoy ever- watching him. There's positive feedback for the for how he did it. So hopefully, uh, the fact that there's negative feedback over some aspects of the show are mitigate. Like I hope that doesn't fall on him. Like I hope they bring him back next year. Um. So going into the first, uh, let's face it. If you've listened to this show at all previously, Mo here is a huge Blizzard fan and. Uh, Bl- that's one of the reasons I think this PC Gamer show is so useful is because Blizzard didn't really have a spot at, at, at any of the other press conferences. And I think they're a big presence and it's worth it's worth uh, them having kind of like a, a place to announce and show things. Um, so they announced uh, there's some – this is the year for StarCraft. They announced some StarCraft 2 stuff, a new trailer, and they revealed uh, some prologue missions um for starcraft 2 the third part of starcraft 2 uh what's what's the third part called again bo uh, legacy of the void and what do you think um well you know first of all anything starcraft is gonna be awesome so it was very cool to see all the protoss doing protoss things as their tool getting into a little fight with a character that i didn't recognize another protoss but um so one of one of the big things is that they announced there will be some free prologue missions. So StarCraft is a game split into three parts. It's StarCraft 2, <laughs> just like Horizon Zero Hour, every StarCraft has three parts. What Blizzard's doing with the third part is saying, we don't want to make you have to buy part one and part two. So part three is a standalone game. 
And also they're offering completely for free three prologue missions that introduces the story. God, this is the most drawn out game of all time. Like they they should. Oh, God. But but to to be fair, like there's a lot of quality put into this product. Uh, You know, there's some great CGI. There's some great story stuff happening. So, I mean, I wish they'd come out faster, but really, they're milking it for all it's worth. And, I'm uh, actually surprised at how slow they've come out, to be honest. Like, just because of the uh, the fact that the they're, the they're, core game, the core game the core structure... core engine is in place. Yeah, was done, one. like, years ago. And they're, they're... Really, yeah, I understand. There's new CG. Maybe they tweak some units. They add a couple of things. They, they rebuild a lot from the ground up. Like, in the first game, Wings of Liberty, and you've played this a bit, you're on the Hyperion, doing Hyperion yeah. things. In part yeah. two, there's no Hyperion anymore. You're in a Zerg. Um, I can't remember what they're called. Like a, right, whatever. A, a big brood ship traveling space. It's all new assets. Like they do yeah, take the time to rebuild you, yeah, all the assets from the ground up. So they are like standalone games. Um, but yeah, could they come out sooner? Sure. But I think they're really busy with it. It's the Other same games. team that does that. I th- I'm quite. I'm. I'm sure i'm right on this it's the same team that does heroes of the storm that works on starcraft like oh, really? it, it was a mod you know it was it was they were pitching it as part of the level editor business for starcraft but heroes of the storm grew into its own thing where like uh, dustin browder is the lead on heroes of the storm he's also the lead on starcraft like their team is doing two games at the same time and effectively the reason why legacy of the void is delayed is because like a lot of their resources are working on heroes of the storm rather than Starcraft. Well, so. let me review Legacy of the Void right now. Six point five. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, the bigger news with Blizzard saving the PC Gamer Show was that two new heroes for Heroes of the Storm were. That's announced. big news. It's it's yeah. It's so much hype. Uh, that game has is like a hype machine. Um, we're getting for you maybe. We're getting you know. Remember Leoric from Diablo Three, the Skeleton King. You've played at least that oh, far yeah, in Diablo yeah, Three. Yeah, 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 He's yeah, coming yeah. as a hero gonna be amazing and the monk will join the roster uh sweet monk the monk mike michael hodgins played a monk he'd like that but they're uh, rounding out some diablo characters good on them yeah there's a huge it's a huge pr push they're doing eternal conflict there's some diablo maps there's a diablo angelic diablo skin coming which looks pretty awesome to see diablo as an angel uh yeah a lot of great stuff anyways that they saved the show them and no man's sky rounding out the end of the show both very interesting um, presentations. Did Daisy save the show, Bo? <laughs> kind of not really. Like, <laughs> so Daisy forever in early access was on the show to let us know that, uh, hey, we'll be out of beta. But it was so hard to pay Aren't attention. Aren't they in to... beta already? No, they're like it's still an early alpha. Oh or something. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh, I think I so. Keep... I don't know. I don't keep track of it. Hang on, let me check. I'll go. To... They've, they've made so much Steam money. Right now. It's sickening for a game that's not even you in. You know, ba- I bought it on sale because I'm like, Daisy's where it's at. This game is going to launch, and everyone's going to be there, and I'm going to own it by the time it comes out. So I don't really want to play early access, but I wanted it on sale for a good price. Oh um, man! All right, let me see. Is it somebody needs to make a better version of that game? Actually, it exists. It's called State of Decay. Go play that. Well, State of Decay is not online. It's actually H1Z1 is the one I think that's getting all the hypes. I don't want to play that. Um, well, it's Daybreak Games, formerly Sony Online Entertainment, the makers of Planetside 2. Come on. should give it a yeah. shot. Anyways, I don't know what status it's in, but 
It's not released, and I'm pretty sure I bought my copy over a year ago, maybe two years ago. So, yeah. Okay, so uh, that covers PC Gamer Show. I know there was a lot on the PC Gamer Show, but nothing worth talking about. Cliff Blazinski's back. Once his game is, you know, once a lot of these games are closer to release, we'll probably talk about them. But it's true. We got to save some stuff for the future. Yeah, a few other honorable mentions about stuff outside of any uh, things. Real quick, new Transformers game. Always love my Generation One Transformers games. Here's the Excited thing about that. Tr- I can give two shits about Transformers games. However, this game is supposedly being made by Platinum Games, who made one of my recent recommends, Vanquish, has made Bayonetta and uh, is known for sweet, stylish action games. So maybe even I will play this Transformers game, Bo. That's awesome. It does look like a, you know, rock'em, sock'em good time. Sweet. Uh, Yep. Another big mention, Metal Gear Solid V, The Phantom Pain, had a a very mesmerizing trailer that I loved, and Crofton, you didn't see it. So I haven't seen it really yet, but, but you started, are the Metal Gear Solid fan that I well, know. I'm like the guy. I'm like Metal Gear Solid and I are in a like abusive relationship, where I go back to them each time they beat me around, tell me how much they love me while they're punching me in the face, and I cry, and then. Uh, Next time a Metal Gear Solid comes out, I said, I can't go back. They're going to treat me like shit again. And then, of course, I do go back and then they beat me up and laugh at me. So Metal Gear Solid 5, I've stopped looking at all this stuff. I know it's going to come out. All the critics are going to give it 10 out of 10 and then they're all going to regret it within 20 minutes, (laughs) um, which is what always happens with Metal Gear games. Uh, I don't know. But I'm still like – I haven't played Ground Zeroes. Like, I've managed to stay away. I know what's going to happen, though. It's going to release in a no man's land of gaming. I'm going to have nothing better to do. I'm going to go back. I'll be like, maybe this time it'll it's, be different Metal Gear Solid. It'll get tens. Yeah. Maybe this time it'll be different Metal Gear Solid. Maybe you'll treat me nice, and then we'll start playing, and it'll be like some crazy shit. It looks crazy. It's going to be crazy. Did you see what that trailer is? The trailer looked just... You know, it had, it's like no other trailer that I've ever seen for a game before. Um, From what I've heard, it's a lot of service to fans who kind of know what's going on in the Metal Gear Solid franchise. But um, I love the music in this particular soundtrack. It had me very curious about what's going on in that game. Even though, like you, I know I'm going to play it at some point and be like, what is, what am I playing? Yeah, it's crazy. Anyways, all right. Um, Last few other things king's quest is coming back i'm excited the main yeah, I reason too. i'm excited about a king's quest is space quest please for space quest <laughs> like do well king's quest so we can have a space the two guys from andromeda come back and give us a good space quest yeah i'm for that i, lo- I love uh, i love all those old sierra classics and uh, and i don't think it's funny i i really like king's quest 5 and 6 but i don't think anyone would say king's quest is their favorite like i like quest for glory and heroes quest so hopefully king's quest will start the ball rolling and we'll see other quest relaunches yeah, to me king's quest was always like the pinnacle of the quest games you know but yeah you're right like it was never my favorite nobody i knew ever said it was their favorite um, last but not least, and it was, wasn't an announcement because it's already been announced, but Banner 2 Saga had a few. They were around. They were making the rounds. I loved the first Banner Saga. I thought it was a 
well-crafted, if kind of short game, and stoked for a second one. Have you played the first one yet, Crofton? I have not yet. Uh, you need, yeah, this is a. When if it goes on sale, you have some time to get into a short game um, that is punishing, kind of like FTL. Play, uh, pick up Bon Banner Saga. I recommend for PC. I don't recommend necessarily playing on your iPad because you can get it there. But um, yeah. All right. Well that's our uh, that sounds like it's our e3 wrap-up look we're gonna go into these a lot more uh in detail in future episodes it just happens this is the week where everything's happening we want to get our initial impressions out we reserve the right to change our mind on any of these things um and uh we will see more as as things go on but let's while all this craziness has been happening in los angeles we have been playing games ourselves so let's find out a little bit about that. About making kids minds like vegetables. Talk about them out on the street smoking pot. This is games per minute. How do you feel about cutting his head off? All right. Uh, games per minute where we talk about the games we've been playing. Um, I've been playing, continuing to play from the last episode, Sleeping Dogs. And in fact, I finished it. Of course you did. You're Bo. <laughs> well, it's not that long of it a is, game. You have lost perspective of what a long <laughs> game is. I remember you telling me Watch Dogs wasn't long. I'm like, that game's fucking super long. It's maybe, just, maybe, maybe. It's just you, you just plow through them when you go in the zone. That's why. Yeah, it's true. But, I mean, at a certain point, I was doing side missions. So, two things. Um, there was a kind of cool you meet like emma stone voice acts as girl tiffany in the game and it's like hey call her up and go on a date and i'm like oh this is kind of cool there's like a dating side to this story um and unfortunately you date everyone once and then break up with them or just never talk to them again yeah you're a jerk very disappointing considering i felt like that was part of the ongoing narrative so it's just like so it's you, weird, eh? It just like, drops off. Yeah, like some of it made sense. Like there's the one girl you meet in the karaoke bar and she catches you cheating on you. So yeah, okay, that ends after one date. But like Tiffany didn't find out about any of this stuff. I want to date Tiffany again. It's like, no, it just, it's just stopped. It just, there's not, no conclusion to this. And there's five girls that you can have these narrative stories, dates with that just go nowhere. So it's, it's funny felt though. really I unfinished to me. Didn't like it. I feel that there there's a story there because it feels like that game was it used to be called True Crime Hong Kong or True Crime or something and it got rebranded about eight different times it went through different development cycles I sort of feel like that they had something but they weren't able to finish it or whatever like it feels like something that might be expanded in the future but it definitely is funny how there's really no way to play those other than being a sleaze bag a little bit you well, know yeah i mean but it it walks a fine line cuz apparently you're a good guy in that game it's not like Grand Theft Auto, where you're clearly a criminal. And oh, I mean the dating. I mean the dating. Well, that's what I mean, too. Like, I thought maybe there'd be this sense in the narrative that one of these women, you'd be like, listen, I'm really a good guy. You know, like you'd open up and develop a relationship with. And it just didn't happen. It just doesn't that's, happen. That's like Nico and Kate in Grand Theft Auto 4. Yeah. There's the dating game in Grand Theft Auto 4, but really, he's meant to be with Kate. R.I.P. <laughs> um, so... The other gripe is, too, that um, uh, as, at a certain point, I was like, why am I doing the side missions? They're fun, but I have a limited amount of time to play this game. I don't want... 
think it was. Do it you? Was, it was short, but I didn't want to be playing it for weeks. I want. I had heroes I wanted to get back to. I have other games I want to play. So at a certain point, I said, you know what? F the side stuff. There's nothing rewarding that's coming from it. There's no new narratives like doing the cop jobs or doing the um, some of the favors. It was just like, oh hey, uh, drive me to this point. Okay, great, thanks. Here's some money and some fame. Um, yeah. At a certain point, I just said, I'm just strictly doing the core missions, the p- police missions, and the the criminal missions, and that's it. And I plowed through the game because I wanted to see the story and beat up on some dudes. And uh, then I got through it and finished it, and it was it was enjoyable, but. I agree 100%. You're right to – your time is – if you're not getting 100% of enjoyment out of it, move on because that's the thing about open world games. Yeah, You play the main story but if, if the side content isn't fully developed enough, you got you to gotta be like, I'm going to go try something else, you know? Yeah, like I just, I just don't have time to be playing all that side stuff. So I uh, – it just wasn't worth it, which is a shame because I actually kind of still want to play the game. I really love the setting and – what more, about the DLC? Def, def, did you get the definitive edition? Yeah, I have the definitive that? edition, so it has DLC. I like looked there's up, like some kung fu tournament on an yeah, island. I or looked something. up what it was about. It it seemed like like goofy stuff, and I don't like the game that much that I'm going to play any of it. So all right, I would yeah. like to do the kung fu tournament. I mean, I'd like to. I just I don't know. I I, I prefer I preferred the main campaign, and so I'd want more main campaign style stuff. Not every game needs a zombie expansion. Right. But, uh, that's just oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and then uh, Tavern Brawls came to Hearthstone. It was pretty fun. If you haven't done it, it's completely free. If you play Hearthstone, you might as well go do that. Um, and it's basically Ragnaros versus Nefarian. And you have ridiculous cards. And it was very enjoyable. So Tavern how much, Brawls off to How much of your time is it going to take in Hearthstone? Now, when you start off Hearthstone, are you going to like – how often are you going to go into the Tavern Brawls section? Probably at least to get the rewards. It seems like there's going to be a reward every week. There's a new themed tavern brawl every week. Okay. So you, in this one, when you win your first game, you get a pack of cards. So it might take a game, one game or two games to get that. Maybe three. It's maybe about an hour. Um, I kept playing, though. I played a bunch of games because it was just actually kind of fun to play with all the crazy cards that were available in the... Uh, in, in, in these pre-made decks. So they had like, you know, a two-mana 6-6 six, six taunt and that kind of thing. So anyways, a lot of fun. Uh, Tavern Brawls, check that out. I played that this week. And of course, more heroes, but nothing more to say there. Crofton? I'm still playing The Witcher. Of Honestly, it's funny. You'll be funny. playing that for the next like month. It, so. No, but it's true. Or, or more. And it's funny because I was thinking about the other day because I get maybe like an hour, two hours here and there a day or whatever. I was thinking because you're like, I finished Sleeping Dogs. It's not that long. I bet you if you were playing The Witcher 3, you in one less than a day would be where I am in the game. Like you, you you'd be able to, <laughs> you'd be able to put that time in and just get to where get to where I am. So I'm I know I'm going to be playing this game for a long time. And one of the reasons I'll be playing it for so long is because what you said about Sleeping Dogs, about the side content. I have never ever played an open world game. Like maybe Red Dead or Maybe Batman Arkham City. These are games that kind of do it. But I've never played an open world game that makes side content as consequential and as meaty as The Witcher 3. Every side thing that you do, there is no junky side things. 
every side thing that you do has story or narrative or voice acting or context. Like any Witcher contract you pick up is not just like go kill this nameless mob. It's like, you know, go inter- talk to people in a town, learn why the ghost is haunting the town. Oh, there were these spurned lovers. Uh, you got to, you know, do all this sort of stuff to like – to. And honestly, it is constantly impressive. The game is huge in scope and size. Like just the the square footage of where you can go is incredibly impressive. But it's almost more impressive in the density of the narrative, in the density of of uh, the side stuff and the the, the quests and all that. Um, I find it's kind of like in many ways it's like the anti kingdoms of Amalur, uh, <laughs> where I played Kingdoms of Amalur last year and I was just looking for a, a game that had felt good good thumb candy combat which The Witcher also has mm-hmm. Kingdoms of Amalur had this but it was in such a vanilla world with tons of like fetch quests and 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 kill 10 of this or do 10 of this it was like a single player MMO The Witcher it could not be more different than that it is constantly challenging you with moral decisions not black and white decisions sometimes you think you're making the right decision but you're not or maybe there is no right decision um you know like i i was on the road with my horse the other day this guy's getting lynched by these three other guys and uh and you can step in and the guy but the only way the guy who's being lynched was is a deserter uh, of an invading army, and the three people were lynching were people whose families had been killed by this invading army, and he's like, "I'm deserting. I'm trying to go back to my family," and so you can step in and save him from being lynched. But the only way you can do that is by killing the three people lynching him, who are essentially, you know, rightfully upset that their families were murdered and all this by this invading army. So. Though the right thing to do may be to save him, you've killed three people to save the one. And is that the right thing to do? Nobody tells you it is or it's not, you know? So it's a is very. Is this a side mission? Yeah, this is just something. Yeah, some, it's, it's way better some, than Sleeping Dogs already. Yeah, <laughs> so, something that just happened on the road and like the guy pleads and everybody sort of pleads their case. No, I mean, it's it's pretty awesome. Uh, and I'm going to have a lot more to say on it, but I know that we're uh, we're running long this episode uh, because it's the E3 week. So, yeah. so uh, I'll have we'll, more. We'll of have my, like a, a Witcher wrap up special once you get close to being done with that game. I, or... I'm going to write a question mark on the Witcher for sure. It's going to have so many like witch puns, bewitched my heart <laughs> at the witching hour. Great. Just great. All right. So um, then if you're done talking about The Witcher. Which is I, awesome. Uh, we're not going to do a dialogue tree again this week, but it'll be back next episode for Shizzle. Um, let's do an inventory management real quick. Sound good? Sounds good. Inventory management is a challenging and inexact science. All right, so Crofton, uh, this is where we're going to tell our listeners whether something is worth spending their cash or vendor trash. Uh, what do you got for us today? 
All right. So today, uh, in because Batman uh, Arkham Knight is coming out, I wanted to uh, recommend the red-headed stepchild in the Batman franchise, Batman Arkham Origins. Uh, and it was made by not Rocksteady, the company that made the Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, and Arkham Knight. It was made, in fact, by Eidos. And um, it is... Uh, it's good. It's a really good game. It 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 doesn't quite meet the standard set by Arkham City previous, but it's still really awesome. And uh, I feel like people are just ignoring it and writing it out of history. Um, it, it it like yes, there's an element of a cash grab there. There was a big gap between Arkham City and Arkham Knight, but at the same time, I really felt. Like it was a worthwhile game and it's one that uh, with Arkham uh, Knight sort of getting – not middling reviews. It's getting good reviews but people saying that they you know, may have gone to the well too many times or that, you know, it, uh, that Arkham City may have been better. It, it made me flash back to the similar reviews that came out with Arkham Origins. I would say if you like the Batman series – you can go wrong with Arkham Origins. If Arkham Origins was a Spider-Man game or a Superman game, it would be the best one of their games. Like, it's just the fact that it's a Batman game and Batman has had a stellar run lately. But it's still maybe one that you would have missed. I totally recommend it. So my recommendation, Batman Arkham Origins. All right. That's, that's a good one. For me, my recommendation of the week is going to be South Park, The Stick of Truth, in honor of the Fractured But Whole announcement at E3 this week. Um, if you haven't, if you're into South Park, now it's not a recommendation for people who hate South Park because you're just going to hate this. Um, but if you're, into, true. if you're into South Park, uh, you know, go to Steam or just go find a trailer for The Stick of Truth. If it doesn't grab you in any way, tickle you emotionally and, and making you laugh or whatever, there's something wrong with you like unless you're if you're a south park fan you will like the south park game so if somehow you like the south park show and think that you won't enjoy the game that's incorrect <laughs> you will so i promise you you will <laughs> like it may not I've... seem like that at first but you'll get the levels in that game that will be like oh yeah this is why i like south park i've uh, read that it's like an entire season of south park like dilute you know diluted into one game there is some stuff in a game that i just never thought i'd see in a game in that game and it makes it worth the price of admission especially if you get it on a sale so south park stick of truth i'd love to just dish about all the crazy things in there but you really just need to discover this for yourself yeah i know you don't want to spoil it because some some of it it's is also really... kind of adult too and i don't you know we the what? show isn't necessarily rated pg but like fuck no it's pretty it's pretty nasty what happens in that game like there are levels in there i never thought i'd go uh exploring you know? yeah yeah, that's a good that's a good way of putting. It. <laughs> you were fractured but whole. Yes. Um, uh, okay, so that's my recommendation, and uh, yeah, that's all I got to say about that. You ready? All right. Let's do yeah. some wrap up stuff, and then wrapping up exmpodcast.com that's where you can find us you can find all new episodes of the show there as well as my blog the question mark you can also follow us at exmpodcast uh, or you that's of course on the twitter or you can like us on facebook facebook.com slash exmpodcast you can email us and we would love that 
tell us what your thoughts are of E3. What were the highlights, lowlights, everything in between. That's exmpodcast at gmail.com. And we stream every episode live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash exmpodcast. Um, generally Monday evenings. We've done a couple of E3 specials this week, but we'll be returning to normal soon. Uh, and if you like this show, we'd invite you to explore our sister show, which is Good, Bad, or Bullshit. You can go to goodbadbull.com. Bo and myself are joined by uh, Michael Hodgins, in which we review a random topic each week provided by the Random Topic Generator. Uh, Bo, if people Hi. want to follow you individually, how can they do that? You can find me at Bo Schwartz. Wow. That's we got to pretty... keep it quick. We're, our show's running long, so just All right. to the point. Let's do this. All right, okay. You can follow me, Crofton Steers. You can follow me at Crofton Steers. Amazing. Mind, mind blowing. Mind blowing. But that was, was that insane. fast? Fast enough? Yeah. All, All right. right. So, before we leave, we have to close the show with a Master Game Theater quote. Bo, this week, what is it? It's now time for Master Game Theater. This time we're doing a classic. So if you've stayed with us this long throughout the show, you're going to be well rewarded with a great little piece from the game Mario and Super Mario 64, among others. It's a, it's Mario. Are you ready for this, Crofton? It's me doing it this week, right? Yes, for sure. Uh, I like how you picked one that even you can't screw up. I know. I yeah. We have to do this sometimes, so I want to do this one. All right. <clears throat> Let's do it, buddy. E three weeks as good a time as any. All right. Hey, it's a me, a Mario. Let's go. I'm a Wario. I'm a gonna win. <laughs> <laughs>